Well, several weeks ago, I began this sermon series with Christmas lights, and I thought today I'd end it with those same Christmas lights. Because we've been talking about how we often make decisions that cause our life to get all tangled up, all messed up, just like the Christmas lights we bring out of the attic every time it's time to decorate the tree. And some of you right now, this is your life. I know other people can make decisions that can tangle up your life, but we've been focusing on the ones we make ourselves, the things we do to ourselves that that create a mess, that tangle us up like this. And the truth is, it can take a while to untangle. In fact, if I were to start right now, I could probably spend the rest of my sermon working on straightening out this mess. And some of you have spent a lot of time in your life trying to fix damage you created for yourself. Sometimes when you untangle these lights, you just give up, right? The the knot's too tight, the mess is too much, or... Through all of that, you get a short in it, and no matter what you do, you can't get it to work. And you end up throwing it away, and you go to Walmart or somewhere and buy a new box. That's how some of you feel today. We've looked at how we we tend to do this when we don't give God his rightful place in our life. Our example or case study, if you will, has been the people of Jerusalem and Judah during the days of Jeremiah the prophet and how they were still religious, went to the temple, offered sacrifices, etc. But God was not on the throne of their heart, not directing and controlling their values and their decisions. And they were kind of mixing their religion and worship of God with other religions and, and started making some wrong choices and it created a big old mess. And God kept talking to them, trying to get them to, you know, turn around, to change things before it became a, an even bigger mess, but they wouldn't listen to him. And eventually God allowed them to be disciplined with the Babylonian Empire conquering Judah, burning Jerusalem to the ground and carrying the majority of the citizens to Babylon where they would spend the rest of their life as slaves. A really bad mess. Last Sunday, we, we turned a corner and started looking at how do, we, how do we untangle or how do we get a new set of lights? How do, how do we go forward? How, would, how do we move beyond where we are today? And we said last week that you really can't do that until you do the first thing in this new journey. Take the first step. And the first step is making things right with God. That you're not likely to do everything else you need to do to move forward after making a mess until you make things right between you and God. That's the starting point for a lot of reasons. Well, today I want us to, to, to go to steps two and beyond. Once you make things right with God, you get your heart, you get your attitude, you get things right with God. What's next? What are those next things you do if you're going to move forward, if you're going to move beyond the mess that you've created? I invite you to open your Bible to the book of Jeremiah, chapter 31. Jeremiah, chapter 31. We're going to look at a
passage in that chapter and then spend the rest of our time in chapter 29 because the first verse of chapter 29 tells us that Jeremiah sent a letter to those Jews who were exiled to Babylon. Now remember, Jeremiah was preaching in Jerusalem, in Judah. And after the fall of the city and the fall of the country, most of the citizens were now, they were in Babylon. Only the poorest of the poor were behind in Jerusalem with Jeremiah. And he writes this letter to those exiles, these Jews living in Babylon, and, 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 and they were wanting to come home. They, they were hoping this nightmare would end quickly and they would be set free and allowed to come home. And, 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 and they were struggling with all of that. And they still weren't right with God and didn't understand why things were the mess they were. And so Jeremiah writes them a letter. And in that letter, he gives them instructions. Here's what God wants you to do right now if you're going to have the future that he has for you. Here's how you go forward. Chapters 29, 30, and 31 of that letter. And I want to begin in chapter 31, and, and there's some blanks to fill in in your uh, insert, some places to take notes, and I hope you'll, you'll do that. But real quickly, six takeaways for us from Jeremiah's letter to the, Babylon, to the Jews in exile in Babylon, six takeaways that can help us know how we move forward once we make a mess, how we move beyond the mess that we've created once we make things right with God. And the first thing is this, you have to stop living in the past. You have to stop living in the past. Look at what he says in Jeremiah 31, beginning at verse 15. Thus says the Lord, A voice is heard in Ramah, lamentation and bitter weeping. Rachel is weeping for her children. She refuses to be comforted for her children because they are no more. Now, what's that talking about? Rachel was Jacob's wife. You remember the the patriarchs of the Jewish nation, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Through those three, all the descendants of Abraham, through those three, the Jewish people came to be, the Jewish nation. Well, Jacob's wife was Rachel. She's the mother of Joseph. She's the mother of Benjamin. She's the mother of the the 12 boys that the 12 tribes of, of Israel are named after. And so in very picturesque language, God through the prophet Jeremiah is saying, Rachel, the mother of the Jewish people, the mother of the Jewish nation, is as though she's looking down through the generations and and, and she sees what's happening to her children, her great, 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 whatever grandkids. She, She sees what's going on today in their life. And she's weeping. She's brokenhearted and no one can comfort her. That's how devastated she is. The nation is in a pitiful state. And when he says this voice of weeping is heard in Ramah, that's a town about six miles north of Jerusalem where the Babylonian army, think of it as as the stationing place. They, they, They had all the Jewish people that were going to be exiled to Babylon from around the country. They gathered all of them in Ramah above Jerusalem. And once they had them all corralled in that town, they marched them through the desert to Babylon. And it's as though the mother of the people of Israel sees her children almost as though they're in cattle pens getting ready to take this long march to a foreign country knowing they will never see their homeland again, knowing they will die in that foreign land. And she weeps. 
I've had a lot of grandparents in the last few weeks say, I wish my grandson or I wish my daughter or I wish my nephew would hear these messages. Because once you get a little older and you see the bad choices of younger generations that create this in their life, your heart breaks because you know what they're doing to themselves. You see it. And the mother of the Jewish people, so to speak, is weeping. But notice what God says. And, and, and the reason she's weeping is the people are weeping. Those, those Jews on that journey, they're devastated. They're crying. They're heartbroken. Well, verse 16, God says, turn, says the Lord. Now notice this. Restrain your voice from weeping and your eyes from tears. For your work will be rewarded, declares the Lord, and they will return from the land of the enemy. There is hope for your future, declares the Lord, and your children will return to their own territory. God is saying to the people who are going into exile, stop your crying. Stop it. Stop it. You've cried enough. Stop looking back at what could have been, what might have been, what should have been. Because you can't go back. You you can't go back and do things in such a way that it's like this never happened. You can't go forward if you're still stuck in the past. God says, I have a future for you. Now your children are going to benefit from it even more than you. But I have a future for you. But you can't experience that future if you continue living in the past. And some of you have spent too much of your life living in the guilt of yesterday. Spent too much of your life waiting for God to wave a a magic wand, if you will, and undo what you did and take you back to before. But as I've said every week in this series, you can't always go back and undo it. You can't always go back and get what you lost. Because some things just can't be regained, cannot be undone. Some years ago, there was a Peanuts cartoon. Charlie Brown and Lucy in the game playing baseball. And if you know that cartoon, Lucy was a terrible baseball player. One of my favorite cartoons was when Charlie Brown tried to trade her to another team. And in this particular cartoon, they're playing baseball. And Charlie Brown is on the mound pitching. Lucy's in the outfield. And sure enough, there's a long fly ball. And just like every time before... Lucy missed it. She didn't catch it. And as they're walking off the field, Lucy sort of apologizes to Charlie Brown, and she says, I thought I had it, but suddenly I remembered all the others I've missed, and the past got in my eyes. 
if all you see is the past, it's going to be really hard to see what God wants to do in the present and in the future. And once you make things right with God, if you're going to go forward, you've got to stop living in the past, what might have been. You may have to forgive yourself. You may have to forgive others in order to move forward. But it can be done. The second lesson, stop listening to the wrong people. You know, the truth is, most of the time when we get into this, we probably were listening to some people we had no business listening to in the first place. Because the people we hang out with influence us. Even if we say they don't, they do. Right? Stop listening to the wrong voices. Stop listening to the wrong people. Look at what God says to them in chapter 29 of Jeremiah. Chapter 29, verses 8 and 9. To these exiles, thus says the Lord the God, the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel. Do not let your prophets who are in your midst and your diviners deceive you. Do not listen to the dreams which they dream, for they prophesy falsely to you in my name. I have not sent them, declares the Lord. Back in Jerusalem before the exile, they had false prophets who said, hey, everything's okay. Jeremiah's telling you a lie when Jeremiah was saying you needed to repent and fix things with God or you're going to be disciplined. They had their false prophets in Jerusalem who said, hey, don't worry about it. Everything's okay. God will never allow this city to be destroyed. He'll never allow us to, to, to lose as a people. There's the temple, the temple of the Lord. Remember that? The temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord. We're the temple of the Lord. We're God's people. It'll be okay. And God said to the people in Jerusalem, their false prophets, stop listening to that because if you keep doing wrong, you'll suffer the consequences. And here it is. Everything's transpired. Jerusalem is in ruins. The people are in captivity in Babylon. And even there they have false prophets who are saying, hey, it's okay. God's going to get us back to the, to the homeland and it's going to happen quick. He's going to defeat these Babylonians. This is just a real short thing, very temporary. And we'll be back there in no time. Don't worry about it. Don't, just ignore Jeremiah and ignore Ezekiel who was preaching the same thing Jeremiah was to the exiles actually in Babylon. And the problem was the people were listening to the wrong voices after captivity, just like they listened to the wrong voices before captivity. And brothers and sisters, listen to me. If when your life gets in a mess and listening to the wrong voices was part of it, you're not going to get your life together the way it needs to be if you keep listening to wrong voices. It may be that you never get out of this mess, or if you do, guess what? If you keep listening to the wrong voices, you'll just create another mess. Because wrong voices always help us create messes. And so God said to them, who are you listening to? Who, who are you hearing and who are you paying attention? You, you may need to cut ties with some people. You, you may need to cut ties with people who won't let you move on, who keep pointing, pointing you backward rather than forward into God's future. You, you may need to cut ties with people who keep get, who continue giving you bad advice, advice that is contrary to God and to God's Word. You may need to cut ties with the people who helped you get in a mess in the first place. You may need to cut ties with some people whose life right now is a mess because if theirs is a mess, how are they ever going to help you get out of your mess?
You're not going to go forward if you keep listening to the wrong voices. Third, God says, make a life for yourself where you are today. See, that goes hand in glove with stop living in the past. If you can't go back, if this is where you are, I mean, you can't always go back and recover a destroyed marriage. Some of the things that we do to our bodies physically, we can't go back and undo. You got fired because you, you were unethical or you got fired because you were lazy or whatever it was. You got fired. You can't go back and undo that. It's done. We could go on and on and on and on with things like that, correct? So this is where we are. You know, the good news is God still loves us, and he says, I've got a future for you. You've got to start building a life where you are today. And quit living in the, in, the, in the world of what might have been, what could have been, because those are gone. This is today's reality. Make a life from this moment forward, and, and God will help you have a life in his will and his purpose and his plan that is a good life. In Jeremiah chapter 29, look at what he says to the exiles in verses 4 and 5. He says, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon, build houses and live in them. Plant gardens and eat their produce. And then in the next verse, he says, Get married and let your kids get married. He was saying to them, Yes, your grandkids are will get the opportunity to to come home if they want to. But you're in Babylon to stay. This is where you are. Make a life for yourself where you are. Build your houses. Plant your gardens. Work. Make a life today. So just because you've lost something in the past doesn't mean you can't have something in the present and in the future. It may just be different than what it might otherwise have been. But it's still a life. And God says, you've got to make a life today where you are right now and do it His way from this moment forward. And it can be a good life. If you've, if you've lived different places around the country, instead of one who's only lived in one spot your whole life, One of the things that you discover is, yes, certain places you like a little bit better than others. There are things about this place you like and things about that place you like. But one of the things you discover is you can have a good life anywhere if you want it. But if you hang on to what was and no more is, you'll be miserable wherever you're present Location happens to be. Make a life today where you are God's way. Because you don't want to, in this place, in this day, make another one of these, do you? But if you keep doing it your way instead of God's way, even where you are today, this is what you're going to end up with again. Let God help you make a life today where you are from this moment forward. I had uh, a cousin. He was one of my mom's uh, 
favorites. He was actually mom's uncle, but he was younger than her. You know, back in the days when they had big families, his name was Charles. He was a fun fella. His first marriage didn't last very long. And I can remember about 20 years later, after he'd been married to his second wife over a decade, every time I saw Charles and, and, and other family members, talk, he, always, he, he kept talking about Pearlie, his first wife. He'd always bring up Pearlie, his first wife. Pearlie, 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 Pearlie. It seemed as though for the rest of his life he could never get over that first marriage that he lost. And that had consequences for him in his second marriage I remember my past mistakes. Don't you remember yours? I remember my past messes. Don't you remember yours? But I learned a long time ago I can't live in them and neither can you. You've got to say, God, what do you have for me right now, today? What do you want to build in my life from this moment forward? Here's the fourth lesson. Become a a contributing member of society, of the communities that you're a part of, of the church that you're a part of. Chapter 29, verse 7, he said, look, look at this. It's an interesting verse. Verse 7, seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf. God was saying to these Jews in exile, pray for the Babylonians who conquered you. Seek the welfare of that citizen of that community, of that society. And then he gives them a very practical reason at the end of that verse. He says, because the more blessed they are, the more blessed you will be. The more you seek their welfare, the more you will experience it yourself. It will rub off on you. And, And we spend so much of our life trying to get at people, trying to tear people down, holding on to animosity and grudges and, 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 and seeking vengeance. And the whole time we're doing that, what we don't understand is we're hurting ourselves. That the more you can learn to bless others, the more blessed you will be. God, it's like God is saying in that verse, will you stop focusing just on yourself? It's like, some, it's like when we go through a mess that we, we created, if we're not careful, we look in the mirror and we, and we, and we get fixated on it. And, and the more we fixated on it, the worse it gets, the, the, the worse our emotions are, the, the, the stronger the negative stuff becomes, and it dominates us. And one of the ways we heal is by starting to do something positive, by giving back, by serving, if you will. Benjamin Franklin, that iconic American, is the one who is usually credited with making popular the saying, God helps those who help themselves. But I think a more accurate biblical statement would be something like this. God helps those who help others. even in small ways. A couple of weeks ago, our church received an award from the local Salvation Army as the number one organization in the Tri-County area for helping to ring the bells at their kettle at Christmas. I mean, all of the churches, civic organizations, businesses in the Tri-County area 
we won the award for being the best, helping them the most. And there are some of you who spent two hours in November or December at one of the entrances to Walmart or Belk out there ringing the bell. Sometimes just doing something little to serve benefits, blesses the community. And what God says is, will you stop looking at yourself all the time? Will you, will you stop being so me-centered, so selfish, and, and, and fix your eyes on God? Because once you fix your eyes on God, it's so easy then to begin looking out and seeing other people and, and having a positive impact on them. You're not going to do that if you're always looking in the mirror and living in the past. There's opportunities to focus on others. Listen, make Sundays about God and about other people, not about yourself. There are too many of us who go to church all the time, and Sunday morning at church is nothing more than about me, 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 me. I could spend the next 15 minutes. Me, 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 me. And it's the reason so many of us have such a staunted spiritual growth life. Sunday is about God. And, and, and it's about serving. If you really want to focus on others, how about come a little earlier and get in one of these rooms with preschool kids and love on them for an hour? How about arrive early and get out in the parking lot and greet everybody? Be part of the welcome team, the welcome ministry. And stop making Sunday morning just about what you get out of it. I like that sermon. I don't like that sermon. I like that music. I don't like that music. I like that video. I don't like that video. How you feel, what you get out of it, and make it about the Lord Jesus Christ and about other people. And then you watch. You watch. You watch what God does in your life. And I promise you, you'll start experiencing God in ways you can't otherwise experience Him. Seek the welfare of the community where you're at. Fifth lesson. Focus on building healthy relationships. Chapter 29, verse 6, he said, Take wives and become the fathers of sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons and give your daughters to husbands that they may bear sons and daughters and multiply there and do not decrease. Focus on building some healthy Relationships. Now you may need to, you may need to apologize to somebody, as the starting point. And I know that's not always easy. Last Sunday, a woman was talking to me about how difficult it was the first couple of weeks when I was holding these Christmas lights up because that was her. And in the process of doing this, she had hurt someone else. I think she told me she actually missed one Sunday because she didn't want to see this again. <laughs> but God was working in her life, and she went to someone that she had hurt when she did this, and she had a painful conversation and apologized, and God has done, God has started the work. 
started the work of making things better. You see, because you don't untangle this all at once. It takes some work, and it takes some time. doesn't happen instantaneously, but you've got to be willing to put the work in. See, healthy relationships take work, and they take time, and you've got to put it in. If you've been ignoring your family, stop it. Yesterday, uh, after, yesterday evening, my three-year-old grandson, Liam, helped me water tomato plants and herbs and flowers on the deck and front porch and front yard. Our daughter and grandson are home from Italy after 11 months overseas. And, and so he was helping, he was helping Paul water. Now, I have this, you know, wand, you know, long one thing with different head, you know, head different sprays on it. And um, it's got a knob he has to actually turn. He did not want to just hold it. He wanted to do it. And so he, he, he put it in the flower or wherever, and he, 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 with his little fingers, would work. He'd turn it on every now and then. I had to help him turn it on. But he wanted to turn it on and turn it off and go to the next one. And so we watered all those plants. It, he's three, so it took, took us three times as long as it normally takes me. And I got wet in the process. But it was worth it. And some of you need to slow down and have some moments like that in your life. You need to start paying attention to the people that God's given you. And, and, and work maybe on untangling some things in those relationships. Build some healthy relationships. It takes some effort, but, but you can do it. You can do it. And here's the last lesson, if you want to move forward after making a mess in your life. Believe in the future that God has for you. Believe in the future. Believe in God. You've got to trust God. You've got to commit yourself to God and listen to God and then follow the plan He has for you. Move into His future in chapter 29, verses 10 and 11. Thus says the Lord, When 70 years have been completed for Babylon, I will visit you and fulfill my good word to you to bring you back to this place. For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare, not for calamity, to, to give you a future and a hope. Now, there are probably some of you, that's your life verse. Here's the thing. Most of us don't know the context for that verse. The context is God is saying to these exiles, you will die in Babylon. But in 70 years, your descendants will come home. Now make a life for yourself where you are. Let me ask you, do you think during those 70 years as they built homes and got married and had babies and raised their families and saw their kids get married and have careers and, 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 and then they, they, they became grandparents, and I, do you think their whole life was miserable there in Babylon? Well, if they kept living in the past, yes. If they kept trying to go back to what was, absolutely. If they didn't want to listen to God, you bet 
But if they followed the Lord and they did what God told them to there in that place, they had some great moments. And God allowed their children to come. In fact, do you listen, do you know that that life became so good for them that when Persia conquered Babylon after 70 years and Cyrus freed them and and gave them the opportunity to return to Jerusalem that the majority of the Jews stayed in Babylon. See, it's not the place that makes life. If you're thinking, if I just get to this place, I'll be happy. No, no, you're wrong. That's not what makes life. It's a relationship with God and with the people in your life that makes life. And you're going to spend your whole life dreaming about some place in the past or some place in the future and forget that the journey is your life. Are we willing, are you willing, am I willing to live my life in such a way that yes, I'm blessed, but the people who receive the biggest benefit from my life are those who come after me. Make a life for yourself. Love me. Listen to me, God says. I've got a plan for your future, and I'm going to bless you where you are, but the people who are going to get the biggest benefit will be your grandkids who have the opportunity to come back and rebuild the city and rebuild the temple. And folks, centuries later, when Jesus was walking through Jerusalem, he went to the temple. It was the temple these grandkids built when they came back home. If you're a parent, you understand what it is to live your life in such a way that you hope your kids are benefited, blessed, It's not just about you, is it? Well, folks, as a believer, as a follower of Jesus Christ, I'm going to be blessed, but it's not just about me. Am I willing to do the things of God, the things that God has for me, knowing that those who benefit the most are those who will come after me? Abraham, the patriarch of of, of Israel, died without ever seeing his descendants become a great nation. His son Isaac died without ever seeing his descendants become a great nation. Jacob and Rachel died without ever seeing their descendants become a great nation. Their son Joseph died in Egypt and his descendants became slaves in Egypt before God raised up Moses to give them freedom and bring them to the promised land. Are you and I willing to live in such a way that, yes, God will bless us and God will be with us and God will help us and God has a plan for us, but it's okay, it's okay, it's okay if those who are blessed the most by my life are those who come after me? Or is it just about me? And as a church, you think we shouldn't think that way? Tess grew up on an 88-acre farm. The priority in her family was hard work, not school. Her father had an 8th grade education. Her mother, a 6th grade education. All the kids had a lot of chores. They worked hard. 
There wasn't much time for study, and when there was time for study, they were too tired to do much studying, and therefore grades suffered, and they just got through school. Tess never thought of herself as being very smart, never thought about going to college. Her only goal in life was to get off that farm any way she could. When she was 15, she met her boyfriend. They fell in love. When she was 17, she was pregnant and married. And by the time she was 22, she had four daughters. In her own words, she said, I had dug a really deep hole for myself. She and her husband started going to church. They said it was the only time they got to sit still for a whole hour while the girls were in Sunday school. minister got to know the family and in time encouraged Tess to go to college part-time. That was a new idea to her. She didn't think of herself as smart. She didn't know what to do, so he helped her. He helped her pick out her first two classes. One was how to study, and the other was a speed reading class. He took her to the campus and showed her the different buildings, her and her husband. Here's the building. Showed her where her classrooms were, helped her get everything lined up. And Tess started college. Took her nine years. She graduated. When she graduated, she said she, said she felt like a, like, a, like a new person, one who could conquer the world. When her girls were in high school, Tess started graduate school where she earned a master's degree in psychology and eventually started her own counseling practice. See, you've got a choice. If this is your life, you, you can choose to continue moaning and groping and griping and complaining and blaming and everything else. I had a man come to me after the first service this morning and, and, and talk about the mess in his life. And, and he said, I've been praying for God to fix it and fix it and fix it. And finally God slapped me in the face and said, would you stop waiting for me to wave that magic wand over your face and just do the things I'm already telling you to do? you got a choice. You, you can just, this is my mess, this is my mess, this is my mess, this is my mess, and never do anything. Just keep living in the mess of running from God and doing your own thing and making wrong choices. Just keep living in the mess. Or you can choose to say, I'm sick of this. I'm sick of it. And I'm going to make things right with God. And I'm, I'm going to start doing those things God's directed me to do. And I'm, I'm going to start un, untangling some of these things in my life. Because I know that when lights are on a Christmas tree, it's beautiful. Where they're, when they're in a mess like this, they're not. And it may take me a while. It may take me nine years of college. It, it may take me some hard moments of making things right with people. It, 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 may, it, may, it may mean I have to do the difficult work of, of, of letting God show me stuff. But I'm going to keep working at it. 
with God's help and doing it God's way, not my way. I'm I'm not going to listen to the people who gave me bad advice the first time. I'm going to listen to God and and I'm going to listen to godly people and I'm, I'm going to untangle it. And it's going to take a while. It's going to take a while. But eventually, I start seeing progress. And things are going to look different. Won't get it all done at once. But God said that He knows the plans He has for me. Not for calamity, not for a mess, but to bless me. And if I just listen to Him and do it His way, wow, look, look, look at all the lights. That that Christmas tree is going to be so pretty. My life is going to look so different, so much better. But not if I just keep holding on to the mess, to what was and has been, and doing things the same old way, same old way, same old way. you got a choice. And I'm, I'm pleading with you to choose God's way. God wants your life to be that beautifully decorated Christmas tree. Not an ugly, tangled mess of lights in a box in the attic because you've given up, you've quit, you settled. So what are you going to do? What, what's, your, what's your decision? What's your choice? What are you going to do? You see, living in a mess, you really don't even have to decide anything to do that. Just, just get out of bed and you'll probably end up there. But if you want it straightened out, that's a choice. So what are you going to do? Are you going to choose beauty or settle for a mess? What are you going to do? What's your choice? And I want you to tell God what your choice is. I want you to get on your knees at this altar and say, God, here's my choice. God, here's what I'm going to do. God, here's who I need to talk to. God, here's what I need to change. I want you to tell somebody when, you, when, when, when this service is over. Grab somebody and say, let me tell you what I'm going to do. Let, let, me, let me tell you about the plan. Let me tell you about the decision I made. Tell somebody. Get a prayer partner. Have somebody hold you accountable. Make make. Sunday and make church not just about you but make it about him and make it about others serve and stop waiting for somebody to ask you just step up and say I want to serve here's what I want to do make some choices that are good and godly and right let's stand and as we sing this song make your way to the altar come and join this church
rededicate your life to Christ. Deal with your mess. Pastors are going to be here at the front. You come as we sing right now. Quickly, quickly. Pastors are coming. Let's sing together. You come right now.